What's up everybody, Tara Wellman here, back at you with another episode of Winter Wonderland, because, well, what do baseball fans do over the course of the winter but wonder? This is our first show post-winter meetings, and you guys, we're about to turn the calendar to 2019. Can you believe it? But that means there's a lot of work yet to be done for the Cardinals with not that much time before pitchers and catchers report. Now, I'm very excited about my guest today, and I don't want to spend too much time talking about other things, because I want to give us plenty of time to talk about a multitude of Cardinals topics. So without further ado, I'm very pleased to bring to Winter Wonderland, from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, host of the best podcast in baseball, Derek Gould. So the lull in off-season news might make your job a little bit less interesting, but it does give me the opportunity to catch up with you for a few minutes. So I appreciate you taking that time. First of all, Derek, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks. How are you? I'm good. Uh, the off-season has been off to a bit of a slow start, um, mm-hmm. but that's not something we haven't seen in recent past off seasons. Are you a are you a big hot stove season guy? I know some people love it. They love the rumors. They love the wondering, but uh it can be a bit tedious, I imagine. Yeah, I uh I get I get the excitement of it. Uh, speculations, some of them that they're just random. Um some of them are, you know, way outlandish. Um I think some of that takes away from hot stove it's like okay well if we all knew what lane we're in like are you in the speculation lane are you in the rumor lane and are you in the reporting lane it would be it would be very clear but we're all kind of on this like interstate together and it's not really clear you know who's driving what car and who's accountable for what and that can be difficult it can be hard to kind of navigate that kind of traffic on this kind of this time of year and you know one of the things that has happened increasingly is you now are like responsible to answer for other people's speculation and and that i don't know i don't i'm trying to figure out how to handle that i'm not I'm like i wish you just asked them i don't i don't i don't have to defend it that's yeah. theirs i was um, gonna say it, it, i i bet that makes your job a bit more difficult because there's so much information flying around that um not only yeah. are you trying to kind of verify your own information but now people are asking you about someone else's information that, yeah, that isn't yeah. really yours to verify. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to go on two things. I mean, you don't want to go on a wild goose chase, and sometimes you end up being that, and, but you'd rather your goose that you're chasing than somebody else's goose. I mean, it, uh, yeah, it's, it's an interesting time because, you know, it can be the wild, wild west on Twitter, as you know. Um, you know, this past week I've, had, I've been get and it happens every so often every year, but you get emails about people impersonating you on Twitter, and trying to stir up news. Um, and eventually it, there's going to be a time when somebody does something like that and then you have to answer for it. And, and that, that's tricky. So I, I don't know. I like the, I like you asked about the hot stove. I like the strategy of the hot stove. I'm fascinated by the market, especially now as it seems so elongated. I, I learn a lot about how teams like to build themselves. Um, I learn a lot about how teams evaluate players. Um, so it can be a real fertile ground 
for learning a lot about the the team building and business of baseball. And I do enjoy that. I I am I'm captivated by like what happens if Harper's market shrinks or his asking years shrinks. How many teams get involved? Um, how does Manny Machado with so few teams but rich teams, you know, stir interest in him? Um, how does the trade market develop? Why are so te- many teams eager to trade prospects than to go into free agents? And most of all, is baseball just at a point where, well, two points. One, is baseball just at a point where it allows for such a long free agent period that now it's, it's, you know, it's like water, right? It's going to seek to fill the gap. So we're just always going to have, if, if baseball doesn't say, hey, you got to have your roster set by January 1st, They'll, then we're just going to have this trickle out all over the place because it will fill the vacuum. Agents will use that time. They'll let a guy wait around and let somebody get injured in spring training, and then you have to have the addition for a free agency. I, I'm fascinated by that. And then the other part is we can all see kind of labor Armageddon on the horizon and how that is developing, um, particularly because of the ramifications, some intended, some unintended, of this current CBA. Yeah, it's it is. There's so many ways you can look at what's going on in baseball right now. And I think it's so interesting. You recently came back from the winter meetings. um, And one of the things that I find fascinating about something like that is that you hear uh, not just John Mozeliak, executives from other organizations who all kind of give these answers to things that that don't really reveal a whole lot. And that's all a part of their game as well. There's kind of this cat and mouse thing that's going on. I think sometimes um, fans want guys like yourself to kind of hold John Mozeliak, his feet to the fire and make him answer the tough questions. But he has this way of answering questions that still maybe don't tell you everything that you're hoping to get out of the question. How do you sort of take that commentary from him and and take it at face value for what it is, but also realize he's not going to answer every question that everyone asks? No. And and you have to know, like, I mean, it, you cover somebody long enough, you get a read on their personality and what they, you know, and when they're shutting down a topic and when they're trying to tease out a topic. Um, you know, one thing that did come up a lot at this past winter meetings is why is Brian Cashman talking about free agents by name? Mm -hmm. And we hear from the Cardinals that they can't by rule talk about free agents by name. Um, you saw some of that, when Boris then complained about the Washington Nationals owner saying that they were out on Harper. He said, well, that's collusion. Okay, so this is the dance that that baseball's in. They'll have these meetings with the general managers and presidents and say, here are the rules. You cannot comment publicly on free agents. Now, you can talk about your own free agents, right? You'll hear teams talk about the guys who were on their teams. Um, so like if we wanted to talk about Bud Norris with the Cardinals, they'd be a little bit more open to it. Or another example is like Rick Ankiel, right? Mm-hmm. He's a free agent technically. And Mo was like, look, um, he he's a different class. We need to talk about this. And so he did. Um, there are obviously, there's some elasticity there. What baseball wants to avoid is comments from front offices that can be construed by agents as shaping the market especially now so they're they're hyper aware of collusion accusations and how comments in the newspaper or leaking what offers are there how that kind of creates um or can create 
the sense of collusion. Now, agents will do the same thing to drive up the market, right? That's why you see numbers and offers and everything like that. And some of it is just plain speculation, trying to create the market. So you do have these different things. With Mo, um, you know, I think you have to know. So it's interesting because um, I think we run into this a lot with the manager is there's there are times when like I think people think, oh, well, those are the only questions that are asked because those are the only questions I, I get to see on camera. And I try to explain that that does me no good, really. Um, if, if all of the quotes and answers to my questions are already on television before I have them in the paper, that doesn't do the post-dispatch any good. So you're not seeing all of the questions that we ask. In some cases, you are. With Mike Matheny um, as manager, he didn't really um, humor post-press conference questions. So you saw what we were able to ask in a lot of cases. Um, on the road, it was a little different. On the road, we could ask follow-ups and stuff just because of the nature of the setup. Um, but you saw the, the, the ramifications of that, too, because there were times where he was not thrilled that we would ask him something on camera. Um, you know, when you ask a question and you're a print reporter and you know that it might cause somebody to pause or think about, like, um, all right, I need a moment, but there's a camera in their face, they want to fill that air. They want to fill that air with an answer. And a lot of times you might get the party line. If you wait for the camera to go away, you can allow for that 30-second odd pause for them to think or you can allow them to start and then they go no let me rephrase that and so it's a different it's a different beast um and with mo that's that's the case i mean he you know they when we're there at um at the winter meetings fox sports midwest is doing its behind the scenes thing a lot of time um so there's there's always the chance to okay the camera's off now let's ask some questions or can you give us some context for this um, there were there were some things that I asked aside, saying, "Hey, look, I want to understand this about say Fowler. What do, what are you what exactly are you saying here that's for the benefit of the camera, and how shall I relay this? Or because this doesn't make sense to me uh, on camera, that doesn't go over well. Where I go like, "Hey, Mo, that doesn't make sense to me," <laughs> you know. So you get different answers. Um, the other side of this is I, I will say is that you also have to know when the question has to be answered. There are times where, and maybe people will see this, um, certainly my colleagues see this, um, there were times on TV people would see this with Matheny and, he, um, and, and Tony. Tony would always get mad at me. But it's like, you know, I would go, no, that's, that's not a real answer. You know, what is the, and I would ask it again. Um, Tony would often get frustrated with me because I would ask the same question three times, three different ways. And I said, well, eventually you're going to give me a straight answer, so I'll go five for five if you want me to. Um, there, you have to know when it's right to press down on that. And that's, that's true with Mo. That's true with Gersh, too. If they give you an answer that is not as general or as party line or as um, you know, boardroom speak, but this is a topic that needs an answer, then you, you ask it again and again. Until you finally get an answer. And, and as you mentioned, yeah. might not be a quote, but it's an answer. Right. <laughs> um, you mentioned Dexter Fowler. I wanted to ask you about that because you wrote a piece last weekend about him. You had a chance to visit with him while you're in Vegas. Um, it, it was a really interesting piece. And, and first of all, compliments on that. I thought you handled it really well. Um, but Thanks. I thought it was, it was revealing 
about kind of who Dexter Fowler is, not only the struggles that he went through last year, but just how badly he wants to write that ship and make it happen Mm -hmm. in St. Louis. What impressed you the most about that conversation with the Fowlers? So um, I I think it has to be the honesty, right? Um, I, I, I can't say that these are the first times that I've asked him these questions. He and I had a long talk in Atlanta. He traveled with the team. He was uh, just getting out of the boot a few weeks from actually going back in the boot. But you recall he was there in Atlanta. He's from Atlanta. So he traveled with the team. Um, and he said, yeah, I'll, you know, I'll give you some time there in Atlanta. We talked. And I asked him somewhat about what was going on. And you know, I would ask him through the years. And this is actually how it came up the other day. Is I said, look, I asked you a lot of different things as to what was going on. Um, you know, there, were you ill? Was there an allergy? You know, you remember a few years ago, Johnny Peralta just seemed to just like he couldn't move yeah. and he had a bad medication. He had an allergic reaction to medication. So I'd ask um, Fowler about that. Asked him a lot about his feet. Hey, are you, how are your feet feeling? And, you know, he, he was reluctant in, in Atlanta to go into detail. You know, he is, I'm physically fine. I mean, I got the broken foot physically fine. Um, I'm like, yeah, but you're, you, you look like you're running in molasses when you played and you know you look like you know just like it just wasn't like your body was out of sync with the game and he goes well you know i i'm fine i'm fine well i had some things that had to go on and he referred to them as mental issues so this time when we sat down i said i go look did you search for an answer did you did you search for an answer because this is what you told me in august um and this is what i asked about and then his honesty came out, and that's that's when the quote, the first quote of the story, where he goes, "Look, I, you know, I was depressed," and he said it very bluntly. Um, and they leaned forward, and I thought it was important that he repeated that over and over again. And then through the course of the conversation, we talked about how that manifested, what that, what were examples of that, um, how he felt it, what he, what help he sought, um, some of which he, you know, he was willing to go into, some of which he wasn't. Um, some of which he said, you need to ask my wife what that was like. And so I did. Um, you know, so we, the, the honesty of it, the, the, the willingness to acknowledge what it was, take the risk in a lot of ways for how people were going to react to it, which you did see. And he knew was coming. He told me, um, I know how some people are going to react to this, but it's also honest. And, and I thought that was, I mean, I think that was a really big stride for him. He he took the step first step in saying, you know, he he's told me a lot. <clears throat> excuse me, he's told me a lot. Like he wants to earn what he lost from you know back from the fan base. He wants to earn the opportunity. Um, he told his wife um, before I got there that he was he wants you know to to show Cardinal Nation that was his phrase who he really is. You know the player he was with the Cubs, charismatic, lots of pep, buoyant. Um, you know, flashing grins. He said, "That's in. I want to show Cardinal Nation that, um, but I can't. Ex- I can't. I have to take the first step." And then I think this was part of that. And that, that that's a real honest awareness of what's going on. I thought. Yeah, I think it. Not that it was difficult to root for him before, but I think when you see someone who's willing to to make that make that conversation so transparent and so honest. Um, it, it makes it a lot easier to, on a personal level, much less a baseball level, uh, to, to root for the guy to have the kind of year that does that. I, I wonder, though, 
Um, coming off of that conversation, with all of the talk this offseason about Bryce Harper and, and yeah. how much the Cardinals have been um, kind of thrown in the ring with that, for good reason. I think anyone who's made that argument can see why Bryce Harper would be a terrific addition for the Cardinals. Um, sure. Does it... Does it add any sort of pressure to Dexter Fowler when these comparisons are being made? I think sort of unfairly. I mean, Dexter Fowler isn't Bryce Harper. That was never right. going to be a thing. But inevitably, they fall into that same category, right, of, of who's going to be the Cardinals' right fielder. Does it add any pressure to him if he is that guy trying to rebound off of what was a really terrible year last year? It's interesting because that, that – is inevitably what's going to happen, right? Is Ozuna is not Stanton. So for all season long, you know, the, the Cardinals go and acquire a guy who Don Mattingly said was the MVP of a team that had a guy who had 59 home runs and a left-handed batter who would eventually win the NL MVP. Um, you know, and, and yet when the Cardinals acquired Ozuna, there was this general sense of, well, it's not Stanton. So eh, whatever. Um, and it, it always seemed to, say, well, wait, no, Azuna's not that player. He's not going to go and hit 50 home runs. But if he's at his best, he's going to go out and be a, you know, one of these high-average, fierce hitters. Um, you know, Definitely had the potential to be the, the best right-handed hitter the Cardinals had had in that lineup since Matt Holliday. So um, that's no small potatoes. That's, that's significant. But he was always going to fail in the comparison business, right? And in some way, that's how this sets up, right? For um, I guess the, I try to avoid the word because I, it used to be such a wonderful word, um, but now it's all ruined and everything. But the narrative is going to be, well, Fowler is not um, Bryce Harper. Well, he never has been. He's not been that in his career. He's not that player. Um, nor are the Cardinals asking him to be that guy. They're not turning to Dexter Fowler today as their number three hitter and their left-handed deterrent to, you know, either set the table for, or not set the table for, to, to join Paul Goldschmidt and Marcelo Zuna as this, like, dollar to do. But in a way, it, it will always be compared. I'm not sure you can control that. I think in a lot of ways, he'll ignore that. Um, you know, his, his definite, he's got an idea of the player that he wants to be. He has an idea of the player... He can be. The Cardinals have an idea of the player they ought to expect him to be. None of those levels are Bryce Harper, but they are a good complement to what they need. The Cardinals need Paul Goldschmidt to be better than Bryce Harper. The Cardinals need Marcelo Zuna to be like Bryce Harper. Um, they don't need Fowler to be that guy, but you're right. I mean, it'll be a comparison. And also, it's almost like a false thing, too, because Bryce Harper and Dexter Fowler can exist on the same roster. Yes, it is possible. <laughs> I don't know where the idea was like, well, they, they have to No, that. That's the that's the truth for Brantley. You know, if they had interest in Michael Brantley, then Fowler and Brantley on the same roster doesn't make all that much sense. Yeah. Right. Um, same kind of contract, same or well, not, but same kind of AAV, same kind of players, kind of all this. But Harper's different. Harper's a different player. They, they can coexist. Yeah, I I. I'm not sure where that came from necessarily that Dexter Fowler's the reason the car, it, it just seems very no uh, 
complicated in an unnecessary way. Another guy I want to ask you about uh, as far as expectations mm -hmm. is Colton Wong. Um, yeah. a guy that I've been, I've been sort of driving the Colton Wong bandwagon for a long time because there's so much potential there. And I feel like it has yet to be realized over the course of a full season, but we saw a right. lot of it last year. Uh, obviously there's been a lot of talk about the, the change in the clubhouse and the dynamic with, with Mike Schilt and how that can affect some of these young guys. What do you feel this season means in the career of Colton Wong? I, I hate to make any season a, a make or break year, but it feels like this is a, a golden opportunity for him to really step no into. Intended, right? Yeah, no pun intended. Yeah. Um, I'm going to be doing that all season. Uh, <laughs> but it's a it's a chance for him to step into that potential that we've been talking about for so many years and have yeah. seen at times. Yeah, I, I mean, I think he's got an all star season in him. Um, I think I think he has when you. And I, and I want to explain why I say that. Part of it is because of the position he plays and the other people who play that position. Part of it is that because he can play such a good game, the Cardinal fans will vote him into the All-Star game. That, that is entirely possible. There are enough Cardinal fans, and if motivated to vote for a guy, they could do that. And he has that kind of ability. He has that kind of, uh, you know, um, the talent. Certainly defensively, could put together more of a well-rounded game offensively but we saw that last season i think the big thing for him that um that has to change this season is he's got to be a 140 game player mm -hmm. he just hasn't been um you know he's he's been around that 100 120 a lot uh ty i've talked to him about that about you know is that last step or that tool that he's missing so to speak is it that durability and he he wrestles somewhat with that because he's like well the style of game I play is sometimes going to put my body at risk. If I take that away, am I as good? So is there time when, you know, I need to risk the injury or maybe the missing a few days, but then be, still be that, you know, that dial it up to 11 player that I need to be at my best. That's a tough answer, I mean, question, you know, um, and, and Wong's not the only guy who's going to wrestle with that. Harrison, wrestle with that too is if if he plays a game at nine and maybe saves himself from some injury is he good enough to hold on to his starting job because he's always had to play at 11 to maintain the starting job uh, and i mean there's not an easy answer for that we see guys go both ways on that um i think that's where this season is for colton long is is can he be the 140 game player because Cardinals want him to be. They want Colton Long and Paul Goldschmidt to absolutely, you know, they want them to be the wall on the right side of the infield. And they want Colton to have a more prominent spot in the lineup so that Bader can bat eighth. And, you know, so you, you see all the trappings there for a strong year, strong opportunity, gold glove year for Colton. Um, but it's, it's how long is he going to stay on the field? And that's, that's the final step for him. It's funny you mentioned the uh, the style of play. I mentioned I said something in a conversation on Twitter just this last week. Someone was knocking him for for being injured, and I said, "Hey, you throw yourself around the infield like he does, and yeah. don't get hurt." <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's a tough it's a tough thing. And Harper plays has has learned how to change his mm -hmm. game too. Um, you know, he would throw himself against walls, and um, we've all seen guys like that. Uh, like I said, Bader is going to be an interesting one to watch this year as he goes through that too. You also wrote this week about your uh, Hall of Fame ballot process. 
and explain all of that, go through your process, which I think is interesting. Um, I also yeah. thought that it was, it, you made an interesting point that with the way it's here set it up, there it is. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of transparency. <laughs> I haven't filled it out yet. Um, um, that looks like. There you go. There it is. Um, yep. But you mentioned in that conversation that the way that it sets up right now, there are kind of these this, this shades of worthiness for the Hall of Fame, which I thought was a really yeah. interesting way to talk about it. And I wondered, when you look at a guy like a Yadier Molina, there's a lot of conversation about his Hall of Fame candidacy, which is still years away from being a, a, a yeah, headline. But earliest, nonetheless, right? uh, people are talking about it. And, and there's a lot of... Um, a lot of conflicting opinions about that. And I wondered if that reality that we're kind of not just uh, looking at these guys as a yes or a no, but as mm -hmm. well, in comparison to who's more worthy of the hall of fame than someone else, how does that affect someone like Yadier Molina? Quite a bit. Um, because, and it's something that we don't yet know, um, because it'll depend on who's on the ballot with him. Right. So like, uh, like it wouldn't be a shock to me at all if this year, Billy Wagner doesn't get the same amount of, you know, building support or uh, doesn't get the same amount of support at all because Mariano Rivera is on the ballot, right? So two guys who are similar positions, one of whom is arguably the greatest closer of all time, the other one who was a really elite closer for a long time, but pales in comparison to Mariano Rivera because everybody does in that position. So you, you see that gap wide. I think that hurt Jim Edmonds. Um, well, I know it hurt Jim Edmonds. Because he appeared on the same ballot as another guy who played the same position, had a left-handed swing, um, and did some really amazing things in baseball. That was Ken Griffey Jr. And that it, it doesn't detract at all from the Hall of Fame candidacy of Jim Edmonds. But when you're on the ballot and you're being compared to the guy who was one of the best ever at the position, everybody slips. And I think we've seen that with Tim Raines, right, who, you know, one of the best leadoff hitters of all time. But his contemporary was the greatest leadoff hitter of all time in Ricky Henderson. Alan Trammell, who's now in the Hall of Fame. Alan Trammell, you know, I, I, think, I think there is not an appreciation for how really good he was, in part because he doesn't have, you know, the all-star games, um, didn't have the, the, maybe the headline um, name recognition, didn't have the high-priced rookie card. That's all because Cal Ripken Jr. played down the street in the same league. And, and so you get these things, and of course, locally, we know it as you know the Ted Simmons situation. Ted Simmons was the second most productive um, catcher in the National League. The first most productive was Johnny Bench, who is arguably the greatest ever to play the position. So, you know, it's, there's nothing wrong with being Scottie Pippen. In the conversation, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, Scottie Pippen's still a great player. If Johnny Bench is Michael Jordan and Ted Simmons is Scottie Pippen, still really good player. Not bad. Not bad. <laughs> and belongs in the Hall of Fame. And so you do get that. I don't know who that player would be for Molina. Um, you know, you look at their career arcs. It's not improbable that Buster Posey and Yadier Molina will be on the same ballot for the first time. How does that work? You know, does do they help each other because one is so supremely gifted defensively, and the other one has all the baubles? You know, the the MVP, the three World Series rings. Um, you know, and then you have Yachty with all the Gold Gloves. 
Um, how do, does that help? Do they do they do they kind of carry each other into Cooperstown, or does the fact that one is being compared against the other does that mean one gets the vote and the other one does not? I don't know. I and we we don't know yet because we don't know what that ballot will look like. Um, but I do think that um, Molina is you know Mosaic uses the term. Um, trajectory for Cooperstown. You know, like his, you know, Yachty's on the trajectory for Cooperstown. That, that's that's a pretty good word for it. I think I think I like the fact that he's building momentum. Mm. The the people who are talking about his candidacy and are warming and aware of his candidacy are people who will be voting. And 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 I, I get that like hey scouts can talk about it. I get it that executives can talk about it. I know that players can talk about it. But when I start hearing some of the people who will have ballots aware of the defensive presence that he brings and the understanding of the influence he has over games, um, I think I think you're starting to see the conversation build in such a way that by the time he arrives on the ballot, whether it's first ballot or second ballot, um, he'll be voted into the Hall of Fame before, you know, long before he comes off the ballot. Yeah, there's uh, the conversation around that is is certainly interesting because everyone has seemingly very strong opinions, which is, of course, not unusual uh, in the world of Internet opinions. Um, But but nonetheless, uh, it will be interesting to follow that and see, of course, if Yadier Molina keeps playing like a superhuman and doesn't age, that will probably help his case. That'll help. Yeah. You've been around a lot of teams over the years. You've covered World Series. You've covered Hall of Famers. Is there anything that you have not covered in baseball that you hope to? Oh, in baseball. In baseball. Um, You took that wave. I was going to say Wimbledon. Uh, Or Uh, that. I mean, that's cool, too. (laughs) Okay, so Wimbledon. Okay. Um, In baseball. That's interesting. I've never covered a no-hitter. So, you know, perfect game, no-hitter. I've never covered that. I've seen four home runs in a game. Um I've seen maybe the greatest offensive game in Cardinal history. I think you could probably make that case for Matt Carpenter. Um, I've never seen it in Wrigley. Yeah, yeah, I've never, I've never covered a no hitter. Um, oh wait, I have um, the Johan Santana game, uh. but was it a no hitter? Um, so I don't know. I, I've never, I've never written a Cardinals no hitter. Yeah. For and that'd be an all right game story. Yeah. To write. That um, wouldn't be terrible. No, um, no, I, I think that's 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 good. Um, that's the one thing. Think. That's that's the one thing. Every time I go to a game, that I'm hoping for. <laughs> I've no seen hitter. a lot of things, but I, I to see a no hitter in person is something that I I hope for every game I ever attend. So I, I yeah. can appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, I think that's about it. I mean, I've been really lucky. I mean, I've been really lucky in this job. Um, yeah, because yeah, I've you know I've, I've got to cover. Uh, you know, on my beat, I got to cover the team going to the World Series four times and winning it twice. That's not something that anybody should take for granted, nor the attention that it brings, nor the sales to the newspaper that it brings. Um, I've had a chance to cover, you know, baseball or go to Cuba due to baseball, gone to the Dominican Republic. Um, you know, I've seen amazing things. That all, the All-Star Game is my favorite. It's my favorite baseball event and it, they're not, and it's not close. I, I adore the All Star Game. I don't think that's an opinion I hear very often. I know, I know. I, I adore it. That's great. Um, it's, it's my favorite. So it, it should be a national holiday. Um, 
and uh, and I, I've gotten to cover some of those. I didn't get to go to the one at Yankee Stadium. Um, that would have meant a lot personally. Uh, eight, 2008. However, I did get to watch it at home with my son and tell him why it meant a lot, and uh, um, and then take him to Yankee Stadium later on, a few months later, so that he could always say he went and played at the house that Ruth, or not played, he watched the game, he watched the Yankees play at the house that Ruth built. So, um, you know, so that, that that's one thing, and I can't obviously go back in time and do that, uh, but I I don't say I uh, don't take for granted at all all the opportunities that I've had because of this. Yeah, pretty pretty uh, good day job, I would say. Yeah, yeah. and night and <laughs> and night and all the. There's no time off, so yeah. there's there's that. But uh, yeah, the benefits are, are are not too not too bad. <laughs> yeah, to have a you know sideline seat or a press box seat for history is fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Well, Derek, I don't want to take any more of your time this morning, but I appreciate the time that yeah. you did give us, and uh, looking forward to your continued coverage through the winter and whatever whatever may happen with the Cardinals in yeah. 2019. What do you so What do you want to have happen? What do you want to have happen? Well, I mean, like anyone, I wanted the Cardinals to sign Harper, but uh, in lieu of that, I'm I'm really pulling for Dexter Fowler, and that was true before you know the mm. the last week. But I I really want I live very close to uh, Chicago. So I'm very aware of what Dexter Fowler was for that team. Um, yeah. And I, I would very much like to see it uh, and for Cardinals fans to see it because it's it's special when when he's yeah. playing like that. So I'm, I'm very excited about that. Obviously, I asked you about Colton Wong because I talk about him all the time. <laughs> um, yeah. And I am also very much looking forward to uh, not necessarily what the Cardinals will do in 2019, but what Jack Flaherty will do in 2019. I think uh, yeah. he's he's. He's a story that I, I attached, I, I latched onto last year in the way that he sort of um, just kind of took on this this leadership role without anyone yeah. handing it to him. And I'm, I'm fascinated by the kind of player he is as much as his skill set. So I'm, I'm looking forward to, to seeing what he does next. Yeah, this, this will be an interesting year for the rotation in the sense yeah. that you have Wainwright back. Um, Michaelis definitely ascending to a, a higher spot and maybe with an extension, a permanent spot, um, if that happens during spring. And then Flaherty certainly becoming the um, the next kind of Wainwright, Carpenter, Wainwright, Flaherty yeah. kind of thing. Well, and then one other, if I can ask you a quick question. Sure. So what do you want to, so I asked you, you asked me what I was left to cover and uh, I asked you about what you want to see. What do you want to see from coverage where where's coverage going of this team it's been a it's been an interesting few years for coverage too um, yeah in the sense of you have seen a proliferation uh, on twitter and blogs and really thoughtful blogs um you know kind of sprouting out of all over the place video things like this where where is coverage headed where would you like coverage to go of this team i'm so <laughs> I'm a, a a storyteller, story reader. I love hearing more about the story than just the the facts and the numbers. Um, that's why I do what I do in my day job in in sports television. And um, I have to mm-hmm. tell you, I appreciate your writing as much as anything. Sometimes as much as the content, because that's where <laughs> I love um, I love the storytelling, and I love a, a clever way of of telling a story or finding a story that's not on the surface. It's not the obvious story. So I appreciate that kind of content as much as anything mm-hmm. else. Um, because I think much like the Dexter Fowler story, much like some of the other features that, that you and, and others at the 
uh, Post-Dispatch have written. Those are the kinds of things that, that let us um, see the people as much as the athlete. And I think that's a, a very relatable side of sport. And it, um, you know, we can talk stats all day. I, I love that too. But, um, you know, when you when you see the people for people as opposed to just numbers on a, a stat sheet, yeah. I think that's that's what I'm the most uh, drawn to, I would say. That's cool. That's, that's very good to hear. I, I hope that we um, are able to have both the satisfy the folks who want news via Twitter and then also want, you know, stories like you're describing and that we, we keep those things both in play and not be drawn by the gravitational pull of shorter, faster, yeah. better, you know, snappier, punnier, wittier of Twitter. And we can still allow a story to breathe when it deserves it. Yeah, yeah. I, well, I certainly appreciate it, and I, I know others that do as well. So looking yeah. well, forward to, uh, to that as well. Yes. Well, Thank I'll you let you get much. back to it. I know you've yeah. got uh, uh, the never-ending news cycle to keep up with, so we uh, appreciate yeah. your time this morning. All right. Thanks, Sarah. Pleasure talking with you. And to think in what seems like a few short weeks, Derek will be headed back to Florida as another baseball season begins. Thanks again so much to Derek for joining me this morning. Make sure that you are checking out all of his coverage at the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, listening to his podcast, the best podcast in baseball, and make sure you're listening to our podcast, Chirps, over at Birds on the Black. You can subscribe here on YouTube. You can subscribe to the podcast. You can check everything out at birdsontheblack.com. Make sure that you share with a friend if you like what you saw or you like what you hear, and then we can just continue to grow this Birds on the Black Cardinals community together into another year. So from me to you, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and I'll see you next time.